The Fontenelle Final Bell Podcast is presented by Fontenelle Hybrids. The solutions you need, the relationships you trust. Good afternoon. Welcome to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield as Jeff Peterson joins us with Heartland Farm Partners. Nice to see another day. I mean, we're coming off of a holiday, Jeff, but it was still nice to see some green on the screen for the corn and the wheat. No surprise that soybeans has on the struggle, but they've had a lot of issues going on. I mean, tariffs and outside market influences are having a huge factor on them. Yeah, it really is. And you're right. It was nice to see the strength that we ended up seeing in, in really all of the wheats, the, uh, the hard road winter, the spring in the Chicago. And, and it was nice to see that corn could close positive. You're right. It's really no surprise on the beans that they're getting hit and we're selling off there. But, you know, the talk is all about tariffs, Susan. Are we looking at, as you look at these prices, does it seem to go kind of hand in hand with what we're seeing in the tariffs and, and the tariff discussions and obviously the looming July 6th date? I think it it is. I think as we dig into that and unpack it, let's just talk a little bit about what to expect on the tariffs first. You know, tonight, somewhere in and around midnight, uh, the U.S. will put their tariffs in place. And then we will find, I think, somewhere tomorrow, probably around noon, we expect to see China put theirs in place. They were very clear over the holiday, um, Fourth of July, that they didn't want to be the first one to put anything in place. Now, if that's all there was to the tariffs, I'd say we probably have got that currently priced into the market. And we might have even discounted the market a little more. However, I think the next thing that happens is is really what's got everybody concerned uh, beyond this initial set of tariffs. So where do we, I mean, all this tariff discussion and producers trying to market their crops, what type of impact are you looking at it as we move forward in, in the weeks to come? Well, I think the one thing that that gets us as we think about these tariffs, what we have to look at is, and I'm going to address what I think might happen next on the tariff side. I think everybody's factored in, as I mentioned, what we currently have on the tariffs, but let's think about what probably happens next. We know when China does retaliate with their tariff, then Trump has communicated, and he seems to be a man of his word in regard to if it's on his list, he's going to knock it off and check it off. It seems like that what we'll hear is we'll hear him come out with a list of an additional somewhere between 200 and 450 billion in tariffs. It, it depends on where he wants to go, probably somewhere closer to the 200. And now that won't be able to go in a place immediately, but he has communicated that already as that's what he'll do if China will go ahead and put their retaliatory tariffs against us in place. I think it's that talk of what happens next is what's got the market concerned. It also has given the funds the opportunity to kind of press this market down and sell it. And we've continued to see the speculative trade continue to add to their short positions and, and push this market down. But you asked a great question that I haven't answered yet, Susan, and that's, as a farmer, as we're going forward here, what should I be expecting? And, and really what it is is that until we can physically get these tariffs behind us, we're going to have a market that's going to be probably more volatile and more sensitive to changes that we're seeing in trade than what we've had for a number of years. And basically what it means to the individual producer is that we kind of all have to dial back our risk. And that means if for some reason there's a certain price level, if uh, your operation is going to be very negatively impacted, if prices go you know go befo- below that, you know, make sure that we get some protection in place at that level. 
Now, right here, we think we're putting in some lows in here unless there's some very negative items that comes out additionally. So on old crop or new crop, we're, we're just still wanting to be patient here yet. I, I'm wondering, are we going to see other countries start to step up to the plate like we've seen already happen with tariffs? Or is it just going to be the big guns that are going to come back at the United States? I think overall we've we've seen, you know, anybody that we've reached out to, whether it be on the steel or on the aluminum, they've kind of take action. But I think it's going to probably stay with just the big guns. I, I don't think this is going to turn into an all-out trade war with the U.S. against everybody. So I, I think a lot of the players that are taking shots right now by talking about tariffs or putting in those in place i, I think that's going to remain kind of at that level another area that producers always uh, seem to talk about is always turns to weather as we look at the what we've been seeing here in nebraska iowa minnesota the dakotas there's been a lot of concerns out there with with crop maturity with too much rain with other ill effects happening there really has and i think as we kind of dig into that weather uh, once we move past the tariff here and, and we the next most important thing becomes the weather, as we dig into that, there's there's some concerns out there that, okay, there's some talk of, okay, we got a record crop, and yes, the conditions would indicate that, but what we know about that is that there's a very poor correlation between crop conditions now and ultimately the final yield. So we got to take that a little bit of the grain of salt. I think one of the items that we all want to keep in the back of our mind going forward here in the U.S. gets to be the hot temperatures that we're coming into right now. So far, that's been a very positive, and we've seen that growing degree units have been ahead of pace. The crop has been going very fast, but we know once we reach that reproductive stage, we tassel, start filling. we got to slow this down, and, and some of the weather forecasts that we're following are, are not saying that we should expect uh, you know the hot temperatures on the daytime highs the rest of the month but the thing we have to be more maybe a little more concerned about is the nighttime temperatures and there's some studies that we'll be talking more about over the next couple weeks but we know that nighttime temp and we get it up above 70 um, and as we approach 75 definitely can go ahead and cut this yield short and that's something that we saw back in 2010 so i think we're going to have to watch that very close going forward is there any other problem areas we need to watch not only here in the u.s but globally yeah, the big areas would be Europe as it relates to wheat, and that's why we're seeing some spillover strength happening. The Matif wheat market, the Paris milling wheat, you know, has been strong. Also, the Black Sea region, as you look at Russia, and then as you also look at Ukraine, those are two areas that are having problems that we have to keep a close eye on. Australia's been improving. North China Plain kind of bounces in and out of some problems, but so far it looks like things are going okay there. Well, stick around, folks. We do have more coming up on the Fontenelle Final Bell on the Rural Radio Network. Welcome back to the Fontenelle Final Bell here on the Rural Radio Network. I'm Susan Littlefield. Jeff Peterson is joining us again for the second half with Heartland Farm Partners. You know, we've been talking tariffs and, and obviously trade. And, and as we move forward, export numbers, Jeff, where does this all kind of mash together? Because we're so used to talking, especially when we do the markets. Hey, you know, we saw, you know, 120,000 bushels to an unknown destination or, or China or Mexico or somebody bought that. How is this all going to work together? I think what we're going to get used to here, and, and it's been the case kind of this summer, we don't often hear a lot of demand from China as it relates to soybeans. But there has been other countries that have been stepping in and buying. And the, and the reason that we're seeing that on, on the bean side 
not really on the corn side, but on the bean side, is that right now, coming out of the Gulf, we're looking at out of the P&W for beans, we're about 17% below where the price is for beans being offered out of Brazil and also out of Argentina. So we're going to have a lot of non-traditional customers. So what is going to happen if the trade and tariffs go in place as they are is that we would expect to see very a lot of non-traditional customers show up. Brazil's going to be buying as much as they can or Brazil's going to be supplying China with as much as they can and then the residual buyers are going to come over to the U.S. For the looking at the numbers, I mean, how are we holding up? Because we're so used to being saying how close we are to the USDA estimates. Are we going to be able to continue to keep what they're hoping to see for export numbers in check? Yeah, I think so. And, and starting first on corn, it, it sure seems like our, our export pace and, and actually our sales that are on the books that we have are outstanding, seem like they're in pretty secure hands. If anything, right now we're actually tied with Argentina as being uh, some of the cheapest uh, corn out there in the world. So I think we are going to see some very good demand for corn going forward. So not only is our pace for shipment, looks like we're on pace to hit USDA numbers. I, I definitely think that we might even have the ability in reports down the road. I don't think it'll be in this July report next week, but I think we'll have the ability to even raise the corn export number. Soybeans is a bigger question mark so far. Everything looks like we're on pace, even with some cancellations that we've seen coming out of China. There has been enough demand come forward so far that we are on pace there. And the bright note really has been the feed demand. The livestock industry is such a blessing here in the U.S. with the hog and pig numbers that we saw last week being stronger and also the cattle on feed numbers being stronger. I think our feed numbers very secure. And we had an update on the ethanol today. You know, we're running um, about a 1,067,000 average barrels per day in production. That was only down about a half percent from last week, but that's up 5.2% from a year ago. And overall, we're up uh, about a tenth of a percent above last year. So if anything, I think in here and then next report, maybe even report down the road, we'll probably see USDA increase our ethanol production. So demand side looks really good right now. What about from a feed perspective as we, we look at the livestock and how that's taking up corn? Um, actually, from the feed side, it, it is doing very well also. We we didn't quite see as much in the quarterly stocks report. There was a little bit of feed it looked like. Maybe we didn't feed quite as much, but I, I think that that actually might be attributed to maybe a problem they had with the size of the crop last year. But overall, that's, that's very strong right now, too. Any current prices um, for crude oil factoring into what we're seeing in the market for corn and beans? You know, it's helping us. It's always nice. The best way I can explain that, it gives us a nice tailwind. We had the WTI crude here, you know, right up against $75 a barrel. The last time we'd have saw those type of numbers, we'd had to go clear back to November of 2014. So that's been a nice boost. That's helping give us some strength to the ethanol industry. It also gets a few more traders interested if we could ever get this tariff talk out of the way to step in and, and be a buyer. So Crude oil right now is, is helping us out. What are we seeing for, let's switch over to the livestock here before we have to wrap up. What, looking at the hog market, are we seeing anything that's really impacting the recent you know, way the, we've been trading? Yeah, the big thing that we're noticing here is that you definitely have a near term, you know, that cash hog rally has been really driving that. We've had some seasonal lower hog slaughter and we've also had a little bit lower hog weights and we've had to really strong retail sales. 
However, as you look out the deferred months, we see the weakness there, and we are still concerned about the hog industry just because of these tariffs also. What about, what about for cattle? What are your outlooks on their market? You know, we're concerned. Um, the main thing we're concerned about so far, if we look at the feeder side, you know, feeders have had a, a decent day here today, and, and feeders are up, you know, sitting there in the 154 area. But what concerns us is that we've kind of got this glut of cattle. Anytime we get past Memorial Day, and especially after the 4th of July, that makes it hard to go ahead and see a strong market. So we think we have to be careful in the cattle industry going forward here. Lots of things to think about, especially as we head head into the rest of these summer months. Uh, definitely is. But, you know, keep our eyes out there. In amongst all this, there's opportunities, Susan. All right. Sounds good. What is the best way for folks to be able to reach you, Jeff? Give me a call at 402-366-4694. Check us out on the web at heartlandfarmpartners.com or follow me on Twitter at jeffpeterson01. All right, sounds good. That is the Fontenelle final bell right here on the Rural Radio Network being brought to you by Fontenelle and all your Fontenelle dealers. You're listening to the Rural Radio Network.